Have you ever just wanted someone to walk alongside you as you do the thing? The thing that makes your heart come alive and leaves our world just a little bit more like Jesus than we found it. I'm a girl wildly passionate about cheering on my friends in the pursuit of making God known through their unique calling. So buckle up because I'll gather up my favorite seasoned and rising leaders in their fields to share inspirational stories, strategic advice, and hard-won wisdom. I'm your host, Rebecca Dotson-George, and welcome to the Do The Thing Movement Podcast. You're listening to episode 25 of the Do The Thing Movement Podcast. The music in the background is the song Answers by Katie Hurst. And if you have not listened to my interview with her a few episodes back, definitely go give that a listen. But today on the show, I have my new friend, Kendra Schwarz. She is on staff at Proverbs 31 Ministries. She works on their online Bible study team. And we have just the most fun conversation today about investing in the next generation. It's a super important thing to talk about that we have not yet covered on the podcast. And she was the perfect person for the conversation. And so let me introduce you to my new friend, Kendra. Okay, Kendra, I am so, so excited to have you on the show today. Would you start by just introducing yourself to listeners? Yes, of course, Rebecca, I'm excited to be on your podcast. So thank you for extending the invite. So like you said, my name is Kendra. I am originally from Ohio, and then I moved to North Carolina about four and a half years ago and ended up working full-time at Proverbs 31 Ministries. And Proverbs 31 is an online-based ministry, and the whole goal is to teach women how to study their Bible um, and offer real hope for their life, no matter what situation they're in. And so I get to work in that sector. It's a lot of fun. I also, I'm the youngest of four in my family, so there are four kids. It was a grand old time growing up, let me tell you, in Ohio with all of them. And I lead some freshman girls in youth group at my local church here in Charlotte. And I also love cutting a rug on the dance floor and learning new dance crazes. <laughs> I love it. I also love your thing that you're famous for on Instagram, where you talk about relevant sayings that people, that people say that I, I never have any clue what they mean. And so I always so appreciate them when they come across my story. So will you tell listeners about that? Yes. Okay. So about two years ago, I was out to um, ice cream with one of my girls. They were in seventh grade at the time. And I said something that I thought was so relevant and she would probably probably think I was so cool. And I said it, I think it was, I don't want to kill your vibe. And she said, well, don't say that again. And I said, okay, um, perfect. So from then on out, I went on a quest to figure out like what terms I should say, um, what is relevant to say to the next generation to try to be more cool with them. And so about once a week on Instagram, I do a term just to make everyone aware so we can all be a little more relatable. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And that's super relatable to what we're talking about today, which is investing in the next generation. So I'm super excited about that. Before we move on though, what right now is your role at Proverbs 31? I don't know if we've talked about that. Yeah. So my role right now is I manage the online Bible studies department. Cool. So Proverbs has, yeah, tons of departments, online Bible studies. We take topical books and then we make the content relevant to people who study the book and we lead them through, through small groups and community and social media 
And so it's a lot of fun, but I lead um, the team online Bible study. That's awesome. I, I thought it was OBS that you were, that you were in right now, but I couldn't remember. I actually originally met Kendra. I don't even know that we met personally, but I saw you on stage at a conference that Proverbs 31 puts on for writers and speakers called She Speaks that is every July in Charlotte, North Carolina. It is um, one of my favorite events like that that I've ever been to. It's incredible. And um, I know that, you know, in ministry life, you often wear so many hats that I wasn't exactly sure what your current role was. But, um, but yeah, so that's so fun. I love it. And they yeah. do just listeners. If you haven't checked out their online Bible study ministry, they do a lot of really cool things. So definitely go check that out. But I'm super excited to have Kendra on today to talk about something that I think is really, really important and not something that we've covered on the podcast yet, which is again, pouring into the next generation. So Kendra, would you talk about where and how God kind of stirred up in you this passion to serve in this way? Yes. So I grew up in the church um, and I loved my youth group from middle school to high school on. I loved going to church on Sunday nights and hanging out with all the different kids my age. And I had some wonderful youth leaders back in the day. And so I had a great experience. Now, sometimes I would go for the worship team and probably the boys, you know, but right. Overall, you know, it's a great catch over there. Um, but overall, I just loved my youth group. And so I always told myself when I got to the point and when I was going to be able to get involved in a youth group wherever I ended up, I wanted to make sure I did just that. And so when I moved to Charlotte, I found a church on their connect card. It said, how do you want to get involved? And I said, with the youth. And um, I ended up getting put with now one of my best friends as my co-leader and we have led the girls from sixth grade all the way up to freshman year so far. And it's been a lot of fun, but that's how I just had such a good experience that I wanted to see if I could be a good example for other students. Yeah. That's so cool. I remember when I was in college, there was a group of girls that, um, I led, I think, I forget when I started with them. I think it was maybe seventh grade, but I led them at like Disciple Now weekends, like their same grade. I watched them grow up yeah. kind of over five or six years. Each Disciple Now weekend every year, I would have the same grade and almost always led with somebody different, co-led with somebody different, but it was the church in my hometown that I went to late in high school. And so I didn't get to see them all the time, but it was so cool, you know, in that once a year, just like very heavy all in type weekend yeah. to like watch them grow spiritually. And I think it's really special when you get to walk alongside a group. Uh, I mean, you even more so in kind of daily life, but walking alongside the same kind of home team of students for a very long time. Yeah. God does just does special things with that. So yeah, that's super absolutely. Cool. absolutely. And it was a little, I will say, because I've been with them since sixth grade, um, there have been times where I'm like, hmm, like, am I really making a difference? Because you don't, yeah. if you're with them all the time, you're just not sure. <laughs> and sometimes yep. the conversations like shy away from the main topic and you're like, oh boy, like, I don't know if I'm doing anything to help them at all. But I will say after four years, you start seeing like little glimpses of not necessarily maturity, but just like, oh, they are understanding and like, oh, I am making a little bit of a difference. So that has been yeah. probably the neatest part of it all. Yeah. And, you know, I think there are nuances and maybe things to 
to think about or talk about kind of on both sides of this fence, right? So, you know, in our walk with Christ, we've got people that we pour into, but we also have people hopefully that are pouring into us. And so I'd love to kind of talk about both sides of that, but kind of starting out with um, what does it look like for you as the leader pouring into a younger generation? And so what do you think is important to remember? Let's say you are in that spot where you are the older generation pouring into someone younger than them. I think there's some generational things probably at play there kind of depending on how that goes, but um, we can go general or specific or both, but anything that you'd want to share there. Okay. So a few things, actually, something that I have taken away from my time of leading these girls is I used to think I needed to know the answer to every question or they would think that I was inadequate to be their leader. But what I realized is they're able to tell uh, when they're able to like know when I am lying or <laughs> making up an answer. And so just yeah. being very authentic with them of saying, I don't know the answer, but we can look at the answer. Or we can find the answer together. Um, and then I think the biggest thing as the older generation generation pouring into the younger generation is just being available to them and showing up and being consistent because yeah. so many things in their life, especially right now, everything that is going on, um, things are very inconsistent. So if we can be that mm -hmm. place where they know if they text, we'll text them back. Or if they know at Sundays at 7 PM, we have a zoom call or we meet together as a group that I'll be there. I think that just kind of gives them some peace of mind. And so all that to say, I think just for the older generation, it doesn't take much to leave a lasting impact on the younger generation. Um, and then I would say also, as far as generations goes, um, there are tons of different things that we had growing up, like MySpace, that they don't know anything about. Or even Facebook, they have no desire to be on Facebook. Yeah. Um, but I think something that helps us is to know that don't age out, like don't age ourselves out. So if TikTok is the biggest thing right now, we should get on TikTok. And, yeah. and I'm not even on TikTok. It's like taken me a long time to even like consider downloading the app, mm -hmm. but that's where my girls are. And so it's something that like, maybe I should learn about it so I can be relevant to them. So they don't think I'm just like this older person that has no idea what's going on in the world kind of thing. So just making sure we're not aging out as we get older is important too. Yeah. And I think sometimes we can get in our own way with that almost out of pride or of fear of like not knowing I, I've done the same thing with TikTok. I've just not downloaded it because I don't want to learn how to do it. And I don't want something else that I have to keep up with, but right. that seems like a very selfish reason to not engage with people I'm pouring into. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so I think sometimes out of pride, we can say, well, well, you don't understand X, Y, and Z because you weren't around then instead okay. of just embracing what their normal is, because it might be a new normal for us, but it is very okay. much what they're, you know, being brought up with, you know, and that's technology, right. that's cultural trends, that's everything. And so, yeah, I think that's super, super important. And I think no matter what generation you're talking about there, I think that core principle <laughs> happens a lot. So Right. Right. Like just the other day, Rebecca, this is a little off topic, but, um, my grandpa, who was 90 got an iPhone so he could FaceTime all of his great grandkids, which I find just wild. But when I was FaceTiming him, I was like, if he can buy an iPhone and learn how to FaceTime, I can download an app and just 
understand what TikTok is, you know? So it's like in order to connect and just stay relevant and just be able to like come together as generations, no matter what age you are, like sometimes we're going to have to take that step in the uncomfortable places just to connect with them. So it's been, it was very eye opening. Yeah. Oh, I agree. My grandparents have done such a good job with that as well. They, um, one at one side has now gotten super into using emojis which is so funny to me. Like you remember when emojis, we first started using emojis and we over emojied everything, you know, it's like they're there and now it's just the sweetest thing to like read their text messages because um, it's new to them and fun to them. So yeah, that's so fun. So kind of on the flip side of that, what do you think is important to remember? Let's say if you're the mentee or the younger person being poured into by someone older than you. I loved this question and it made me think a lot because it made me be in their shoes, right? Where I'm not normally am. And I would say, I think as a younger person being poured into, it can be, um, it can be easy to like hold back what you might be feeling or feel ashamed of some things that you want to bring up, but you don't know how the older, Mm. the mentor is going to respond to that. And so I would say to the younger generation being poured into, um, we're not necessarily trying to like fix you. Um, we're actually just trying to take what what might be like messy or um, a little maybe murky or broken and just help you be the best version of you we can you can be with your story. And so I would just say to the younger generation, just be open and honest and just know that that mentor is just trying to help you take the next step um, to be more like Jesus. Um, because I know for me, I tend to hold back with my mentors a little bit because I'm like, Oh, I don't want to show them this part of me or gosh, this is pretty ugly. So I don't want to admit that I thought this, but when I do speak up and when I am honest and I kind of like peel back that curtain a little bit, just the rawness of conversation that comes out of it is a beautiful thing. and gives me direction on maybe where I need to focus my thoughts and whatnot. So that's what I would say is just be open and honest and know that we're all, we're just trying to get you to like the next step to be a little more like Jesus tomorrow than today. Yeah. And that, I think that's a great way to put it because, you know, yeah, I've, I think we've all probably been there with somebody that we look up to, whether it's a formal mentor or not, um, where maybe we've, we've shied away from being super vulnerable, but, um, that's where I would argue and, and fight for the type of relationship with your mentor, with your mentee, that is that, because that that's what's transformative. That's what is going to make us more like Jesus. And going back to scripture, like there is no condemnation for those in Christ, right? Like if you look at your mentor mentee relationship and you think like, it doesn't feel that way. Like the, the freeing thing is you can always strive for that, whether that's talking to your mentors or even seeking a new mentor. Like I I know as, as a strong believer with, with some discernment there, you really can discern, you know, are you all on the same page? So that would be like, like level one, square one, you know, we believe the same things. We're running in lanes beside each other towards the same common goal. And, um, you know, yeah, I would just encourage again that, you know, there is no condemnation for those in Christ. Like, don't be afraid of vulnerability. That sounds very easy and, and super easy to say, but um, I totally agree. The times that have been the most transformative for me in these kinds of relationships have been when I've 
I've been super real and super honest. And so I totally agree there. So Kendra, do you have somebody in your life kind of in this season that you would consider to be a mentor for you? What does that look like for you? Oh yeah. So I have three ladies that I, um, that were brought to mind when I read this question. Um, two I work with, and then one is my youth pastor from back in the day. Mm. But I would say um, my boss, my leader, her name's Melissa Taylor. She is the senior director of online Bible studies. And of course, when I started at Proverbs, she was my boss. And so I looked at her as my supervisor. Um, there was a, like just that kind of relationship to start um, as we built trust and whatnot. But now, not only is she my supervisor, but she's someone who can just tell if I'm having an off day and isn't afraid to lean in, um, to the hard questions. Um, so that's really nice. Just the vulnerability that I can have with her, um, and kind of take off like the work hat and put on the personal hat. Um, as we like to say at Proverbs, um, Wendy Blight is another mentor that I have. Um, she, she's wonderful. She's a biblical content specialist, um, at Proverbs 31 online Bible studies, but she, um, before she started working at online Bible studies, I just knew her as a very strong prayer warrior. I knew her as somebody who would speak the truth, um, with love and, um, her and I just became to have a, a sweet friendship and mentorship for sure. And she also can tell if something is off or just, she's available if I need to call her, which is, um, which is really kind of her. And then my youth leader back in the day, her name is Debbie Noble. She is someone that when I go back home to Ohio, I can get coffee with her. I can sit with her and we can just be just very open and honest about what's going on in life and just make sure we're pointing each other back to, back to truth or about to what God is teaching us in and through our difficulties and struggles. And so that's just a sweet relationship that I hold near and dear to my heart. But all of these mentors that I have, and I'm lucky to have more than that, but those three in particular, it's just taken time. And so I don't know if somebody's listening and might not um, have a mentor or it's just really hard to pick out if you have one or not, just know that it's like any relationship. It's just like brick by brick, um, conversation by conversation. And um, the the time that you put in is what you'll get out of it. And so I would just encourage someone to know that like there there is someone out there that's looking to mentor somebody. Um, sometimes it just takes a conversation and to find that person. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. And I would echo everything that you just said uh, in my own life, just with my relationships with people I would consider mentors. And, you know, I think we hear a lot about mentorship and we read a lot about mentorship and it sounds great when we read like a 10 point bulleted list of like how to manage, you know, a relationship with a mentor and there's books about it and all the things kind of in the leadership space. But I think when I look back over my life, the people that I would consider to be mentors, I don't know that I never asked them to be my mentor. You know what I mean? Like they They just showed up. They they assumed that place Mm -hmm. in my life, you know? And I think that's, I think it's beautiful when that happens. The one that I think of the most is one of my running buddies from Knoxville. We met in a training group. We were introduced because somebody realized we went to the same church and it was a huge church. So we never, maybe would have even crossed paths, but she's a mama of three girls and her life is crazy, but she, um, is like a superstar runner. She qualified for the Olympic trials in the marathon before oh, like, all this happened. And she got to run in the trials, um, in Atlanta in February. And, um, 
but she, she became one of my best friends, but I, I so looked up to her as a mentor. I talk about her a lot on the podcast, but, but yeah, we, we never had like a formal thing, but we would just go on runs before I went to work and she would let me come over and hang out with her girls and help them fix dinner. And, you know, it was in those moments of her life that I got to watch her kind of assume that place in the next season of life where I wasn't quite yet. And so um, she taught me a lot about the mom that I wanted, that I want to be. She taught me a lot about Mm -hmm. the wife that I want to be. And um, so I think just inadvertently, she didn't know she was doing it, but those moments matter to me, you know? And I think those are some of the sweetest relationships or like when people allow you to see kind of behind the curtain about what it looks like to be a wife or what it looks like to make hard decisions or have hard conversations and just letting you sit in on some of those, those times that are going on, I think just can show a lot and you can learn a lot from those. So I like that you said that. Yeah. And I think what would be important to her that I share if she was in the room would be that that's not all perfect, right? Like I, I witnessed hard seasons of her marriage. You know, Mm -hmm. I I witnessed days where her girls were being really disobedient and she didn't have the patience for it. Right. Like there's grace for all of that. And, but I got to see her handle that with grace. And um, I think that's the beautiful thing too. She didn't set me up with a false expectation of marriage or motherhood. I think there's maybe a lot of that too, just in the world we live in and where everything is just very highlight reel. And Mm -hmm. I love about her that I never got that. Um, And that's, that's something I walked away with knowing that I, I wanted to be that for other people, you know, Yeah, because I just so value it. But, um, yeah, I love that. So what do you think are some important expectations or maybe even parameters to put in place between these types of relationships? So one I said earlier, which would be don't expect the relationship to form at that level right away. So somebody might be listening and hear what you and I got to experience and not have that, but just knowing that it takes time um, and it just takes relationship and effort and um, eventually a sweet relationship will hopefully form. Um, I would also say like with my girls um, that I lead at church, it's okay to go off script. So I know we get like a discussion guide at church or you might go get coffee with somebody and you have an agenda that you want to talk to them about. And you might just hear them respond back of just maybe they're having a hard time at school or maybe they're having a work conflict and your agenda no longer applies to them when they're going through something else. And so something that I learned with my girls is that it's okay to go off script and kind of follow the rabbit trail a little bit. Um, And then we always try to obviously point them back to scripture uh, if we can with that, of course. And along the same lines, the third thing I would say um, would be to remember that I'm not a counselor. I think I can um, get into this, this role of being like, okay, they have a problem. I'm going to fix it. Mm. Um, They have a problem. So I'm here and I'm supposed to give them advice on what they should do. And ultimately, if I remember, this is hard for me to remember, but um, I'm there to point them back to scripture and I'm there to um, point them back to Christ. And then it's up to God to kind of do the transformative work inside of them. It kind of, it, a weight is lifted off my shoulders when I remember my role, God's role, and what 
we're trying to accomplish um, with that relationship. And so that has really helped me a lot, knowing that I'm not a counselor and I don't have to fix all of their problems. <laughs> and so I would say those are some expectations that I have walked into and learned through my time with those girls. Yeah, I love that. And what encouragement, you know, that maybe we haven't shared yet, would you give just the church at large around this topic, just as to why it's so critical to raise up our next generation? Yes. So I loved this question and it really made me think. And I would say um, what I would tell the church at large would be the next generation eventually will be our age or older, and they're going to be the ones making the decisions that still impact us, right? Because hopefully we're not going to be so aged out that it's not going to impact us at all, but they're going to be assuming leadership roles. They're going to be assuming um, roles within businesses and making decisions that are impacting other people. And so just knowing that while we have them in our care now, we're called to raise them up, build them up, encourage them and just really help them find the confidence to become who God created them to be. And so it's just such a sweet, unique time in whether that's youth group or small groups or however the church has um, the capacity to pour into the younger generation, just knowing that each touch point that we have with them is just an opportunity to build them up into leaders and people that will impact our world very greatly and with various decisions that they make. And I think that's a huge calling that we are called to um, as we go and make disciples of them. Yeah. I love that. And so, so agree with you. So there's one question that I ask every guest and it's my favorite question because everybody's answer is so different. And that is what is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Yes. So I've been given a lot of advice, but the one that I always say, I always come back to whether I am making my bed in the morning or whether I am writing something for work is what my dad always told us growing up, which is a job worth doing is worth doing right. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so no matter if I'm supposed to like mentor somebody um, and I just don't feel like going or I just haphazardly prepare for the lesson I'm supposed to give them, like that's not necessarily going to make the best impact. And so a job worth doing, building up this generation is worth doing right and worth doing right the first time. <laughs> so mm. we're not spending our energy going back and cleaning up the mess later. So my dad's a wise man. And that is the one that I always hear in, in my head. A job worth doing is worth doing right. Yeah. So, oh, I yeah. love that. I love that. That can, you can make that as simple or as complex of, you know, towards something super simple or towards something like super important right. in life. And so it, like sweeping when I'm like cleaning my apartment, yeah. I'm like, Oh gosh, you're right. A job worth doing is worth doing. Right. So I might go yes. get the broom again and try again. <laughs> yes. Or a blog yeah. post that hundreds of thousands of people are going to see, you know, like, yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So I love that. Well, Kendra, tell us how listeners can stay in touch with you. Yes. So I am, I'm on all social platforms, but I will be honest. The one that I'm mostly on is Instagram. And so just following along on Instagram, my, um, my, I can't even think what it's called. My handle is yeah. at Kendra Schwarz. And so that's the social media I'm most active on. And I, and I like a lot. So that's probably the best way to get in touch with me and we can just hang out there. But that's, I'm pretty simple when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah. 
awesome. And you can stay relevant there by, by following her on Instagram and you'll get to hear all of that content, which is (laughs) so helpful to me. (laughs) I love it. Well, Kendra, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Oh, thank you, Rebecca. It's honestly wonderful to connect. So thank you for asking. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you need anything from me at all, I'm super easy to find Rebecca Dotson George on Instagram and Facebook. I'd love to connect with you and hear how the show is encouraging you. And hey, let's help make it possible for even more listeners to be encouraged by hearing stories of my people doing the thing. There's a couple ways you can do that. One, by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And two, screenshot the show and share it on your Instagram stories. Oh, and make sure you tag me there so we can connect as well. All right. I can't wait to talk to you again soon. And thanks so much for listening to the Do The Thing Movement podcast.